0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist. As a part of my month-long celebration in August of producing 1,000 podcasts, I'm doing a special series each week. This week, I paired with Matt Kelly, founder of Radical Compliance, and my podcast partner on Compliance Into the Weeds to take a five-part exploration of the future of audit, compliance, and analytics. This five-part series talks about where internal audit has been, where they are now, and where they may be going. I think you'll find this to be a fascinating exploration of the use of internal audit, moving from the third line of defense to literally operationalizing internal audit to help manage risk and monitor risk in a more effective way to help companies become more efficient and, at the end of the day, more efficient profitable. In part one, we take a look at uh, where we have been. Two, the three steps of evolution. In part three, I take a look at three specific examples. In part four, we consider the new working relationships that internal audit will have. In part five, we conclude with getting started. I hope you enjoy this series, and I think you will find it fascinating. This special series of The Future of Audit, Compliance, and Analytics, part of Compliance into the Weeds, is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the Compliance Evangelist, back again for our episode two in the five-part exploration of the future of audit, compliance, and analytics. As always, I'm joined by Matt Kelly. Matt's the founder and editor of Radical Compliance. Matt, welcome. Hello, Tom. Matt, uh, today we wanted to take a look at what you see are really the three steps of evolution in this process. So uh, why don't you tell us uh, what you think they are? Yeah,
1: sure. So as I was talking with a lot of audit executives earlier this year, uh, talking a lot about analytics and how to move the function to a more value-added sort of a role it became clear that there are really three steps that any audit function is going to need to take. And the origin point, which we've already been working on as a whole profession now for about 15 years or so, really is strong internal controls, for foremost for financial reporting, disclosure controls, all of that stuff that is related to Sarbanes-Oxley compliance, which companies have spent many years um, first counting up the internal controls they had, which ones they didn't have, that they needed, which ones were weak, how do we remediate them. And SOX compliance still goes on every year. That is an annual part of the audit these days is SOX compliance audit. There is Section 302, which are the disclosure controls, and then Section 404, which is internal control over financial reporting. Uh, Most companies that are publicly traded are subject to 404B, which is the audit of internal control over financial reporting. So the internal auditors are there to make sure that the external auditors doing the 404B audit are going to do this as pain-free as possible. That's a relative term because there's, I know there's still a lot of pain involved in a 404B audit. Um, But that's really what you need, is you need strong controls. And once you have them, uh, then you can start to test those controls, see how they work, see what the data is that they're generating, then you can move to a more analytics-based function. So you could see, well, how many of our invoices are paid before a purchase order arrives? Um, You could see how often are we closing the books at the end of the month within seven business days after the end of the month, as opposed to I don't know, 10 days or something like that? Are we narrowing that window or not? Um, And then finally, once you're able to build up analytics, you can get to this more risk monitoring, risk management, and optimization for other business functions. Um, It's important to note that really you can't take this out of order. It all begins. The fundamental bedrock is strong internal controls. If you have bad controls, they will give you bad data. That will lead you to bad conclusions. And then you will be in big trouble at some point. But like that's the foundation. Um, it drives up the importance of a few things, this natural evolution. Like, for example, um, it really drives up the importance of data governance, up the priority list of uh, what internal auditors and compliance officers, risk officers, what you worry about. And there, you all know that data governance is important, but if you want to achieve this state, it really is about data governance. That's the whole ballgame. So you have to think about things like what is the taxonomy of the data that we have, the data that we're generating. Um, how do we validate that the data is fitting either like does it make sense from a value perspective are we getting an invoice that is 100 times larger than usual we getting a negative value which probably means somebody just typed a minus in front of a number it doesn't necessarily mean anything more than that Um, is data in the right format Uh, is data complete is data accurate um, that is nothing new, it's worth saying, that completeness and accuracy, validations, clear taxonomies of data, this is nothing new for the financial audit. And external auditors see that all the time. Now we need to start thinking about how would we apply those principles to other types of operational data? Uh, how would you apply it if you are say, in financial services to um, banking and regulatory data that you might need to submit, you know, liquidity risks, things like that? Um, So that's really what you need to think about. And I would even go so far as to say data governance is going to become an effective internal control. It's like an entity level control. Um, This is going to be tricky because historically data governance, you would say it's like so long as you saw it as a control for one process because people were very siloed, that's good. Um, Strong data governance is going to have to apply across all business processes to achieve what we're looking at here. And it can be done. But really, then what we're talking about is you have to think that data governance is an entity level control. We know that whatever we're doing to manage risk, we're doing it in a very data driven way. And we are confident in that because data governance is such an important thing that we have nailed time and time again, because audit, IT, and the business functions have all worked together to understand this is the data we have. This is how we classify it. This is how we validate it. This is how we know it's all complete. Um, so for people listening, who are you know ideally, and if you're in the audit, uh, chief audit executive, chief compliance officer, chief risk officer, uh, people listening to these podcasts and thinking about these issues, it's really more how do you work with the board? And with others in the C-suite, the CIO, the CFO, head of IT security, head of IT generally, how do you ensure that data governance really has risen up to be that entity-level concern and that it works well to be able to get to this? That's, That's kind of where we're going to have to go to build this evolution, make sure it's working on the right path.
0: Matt, uh, if I could ask you, when you use the phrase, or word rather, taxonomies, uh, could you explain the context of that for us?
1: Yeah, sure. So a taxonomy is really just going to be like a, a dictionary or a vocabulary of data. What What is this data actually going to mean? Uh, an easy way to think of it actually comes from the financial reporting world, where they have to file a, a very specific sort of taxonomy for financial data. So there is a tag. I won't go into all the technology details of it, partly because I don't know them myself, but there is a tag in the data language known as XBRL that says basically revenue. So you have to have a number that goes into that revenue tag so that when you publish all of your financial statements, all the computer programs can say, aha, this is the number next to the uh, revenue Tag So that must be revenue. Here's one for um, operating profit. Here's one for net income. And there are thousands of tags in the taxonomy for financial reporting data uh, down to things like, I don't know, uh, revenue derived from video game sales, which is an actual tag that only video game makers make uh, or use. But, you know, so if that tag turned up in an oil and gas field, everybody would know that makes no sense. There's a taxonomy error here but taxonomy you have to think through um what are we calling this piece of data now let me move away from financial examples here let's talk about something more relevant to compliance officers you have third parties okay what are all the types of third parties you have and what is the taxonomy you are going to apply to resellers to joint venture partners to sales agents um do you want a taxonomy that splits it down to sales agents by region, sales agents by country? Uh, all sorts of ways that you could do that. But the whole purpose of a clear taxonomy, and compliance officers will know this, they'll appreciate it, is that so everybody understands and agrees this is what a third party is. This is this type of third party, this is that type of third party, and we're all clear on our definitions And because of that, we can tag them all, we can clarify them all, they all fit in this little taxonomy, and now we can data analyze it because we're very clear in what we mean goes into each slot.
0: So, Matt, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I've been visiting with Matt Kelly on uh, episode two of our five-part exploration of the future of audit, compliance, and analytics. Today, we took up the three steps of uh, evolution, and tomorrow we're going to take up some specific uh, examples. Matt, thank you. All right, Tom. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for joining us for this five-part series on exploring the future of audit compliance and analytics with Matt Kelly, founder of Radical Compliance. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. You can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. I hope you will join us again for another episode.